You are listening to a message from Sound Words. To find information about our ministry, please visit our website at soundwords.org. You can also download our free app from iTunes or Google Play to access more great sermons. We are going to the book of Ephesians, and we're ready to start the sixth chapter. And if you turn in your Bible, maybe a page, you'll look for the next chapter, but you're reminded this is the last chapter. But remember, when Paul wrote this, it was a letter to the Ephesians. And there were no chapters, there were no verse divisions. So it just flowed along. I have no problem with the chapter and verse divisions because it does help us as we study together and find our way through. But that was a later addition. Remember the first three chapters are giving us the doctrine. Basically, the last three chapters of Ephesians, chapters 4, 5, and 6, focus more on the practical implementation of those doctrinal truths. Doctrine is not given in the scripture just for us to have information, but it's to shape the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves. So we noted the key expression to walk. It began in really this emphasis in chapter 4, verse 1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And then verse 17, walk no longer. So the contrast the way you used to walk, but the way you walk now. The way you lived your life before, the way you live your life now. That's the basic distinction being drawn. In chapter 5, verse 15, we were told, Therefore, be careful how you walk. Again, that emphasis on your behavior, your conduct, the daily, everyday things of life are adjusted and changed. Some in a great way, some in less a great way. But in every way now, our life is different than it was. Be careful how you walk. And then verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. And that's basically talking about our walk. When you walk as God would have you walk, when you walk as the wise, not as the unwise, when you walk in the new life you've been given, worthy of the calling with which you've been called, as chapter 4, verse 1 said, there will be certain things that characterize you. You'll be controlled by the Spirit of God. So that command to be careful how you walk in verse 15 of chapter 5 and the command to be filled with the Spirit in verse 18 of chapter 5 are basically telling you the same thing. When you walk as you were supposed to walk in the new life, you're walking under the control of the Spirit of God. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Contrast with an unsaved person who in drunkenness is controlled by their drink and the power of that drink and the drunken lifestyle. We are filled. We are controlled. We are living according to the direction of the Spirit of God. What a privilege and honor that is. He gave five participles that modified that command to be filled with the Spirit. In verses 19, 20, and 21, we had those concluding in verse 21. And that one we don't have, usually in our English, as we've noted, participles are I-N-G, ending words, like speaking, singing, 
making, giving, always giving, giving thanks. Being subject, verse 21, would give you the idea as you have it in the margin of your Bible. And then there are the evidences that you are being subject. You are being filled with the Spirit and manifesting itself by the order that is in your life. And that not everything is included here. For example, First Peter talks about believers are to be under the control of governing authorities. Well, he doesn't talk about that here. But he picks out three key things that have to do with really the home life and things arranged around the home. The husband and wife relationship, the children and the parent relationship, and the slaves and master relationship. We talked about the wives and the husband, and it's always in that order. First, the person who manifests there under the control of the spirit by their willing and readiness to be submissive. Verse 21, being subject to one another in the fear of Christ, that desire to honor him, to please him, to function according to his will means we will function submissively. In 1 Peter 2, it talks about two governing authorities. Here, Paul doesn't. So we look at it all together. We've noted that with the wives. He begins with the person who is to be submissive, and then he addresses those who have the authority in the relationship. Wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Then he addresses the husband's responsibility to love your wives as Christ loved the church. In chapter 6, we're going to talk about the children. Obey your parents. And then the fathers, verse 4, no, not provoke your children. And then he'll talk about slaves in verse 5 of chapter 6, being obedient to your masters, your fleshly authority. But verse 9 will remind the masters. So that constant balance is there. And one is not dependent on the other. We noted that with the wives, it's instruction to the wives. You may have an unbelieving husband. But except in those rare occasions where he may require something that is directly in conflict with the word of God, you obey him. And husbands are to love their wives. They may not be a godly woman, but you still love them. And the same with children. Obey your parents in chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, don't provoke your children. And then it will go with slaves and then the masters. Verses 22 to 24 talked about the wives of chapter 5. They are to be submissive. But then in a longer expression, verses 25 to 32, really 31, 32 in there, you talk to the husbands and their responsibility as they exercise the leadership in a godly way for their wives. That was all summarized in verse 33. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also is, is to love his own wife even as himself because the two have become one in their marriage relationship. And the wife also is to see that she respects her husband, and most of the grammatical commentaries make note that that word respect is probably too soft a word. It's the same exact word as you have translated fear in verse 21. In the fear of Christ, 
It is the Greek word for fear. So see that she fear her husband. Not in trembling that everything he says to me I'm afraid about anymore. Then verse 21, we are finding, oh, I'm just afraid everything I do is the fear of Christ. But it is that reverential respect out of a desire to please God and honor him that I am acting. So the husband is to love his wife as himself and as Christ loved the church, as verses 25 and following presented. And the wife, she is to show the proper fear and respect and desire to honor and obey her husband in everything in every way. We're going on in chapter 6 now, and we're going to talk about the children in verses 1 to 3. Talk about the children, and then verse 4, talk about the father. And in Paul's discussion here, the breakdown is more on those in verses 6, 1 to 3. You talk about the children and just one verse for the parents. And then you'll talk about the slaves being obedient. You'll talk about verses 5 to 8 and just verse 9. In chapter 5, the wives was shorter and the instruction to the husband was longer. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the instruction to the wives is longer and the instruction to the husband. I mention this because some commentators make a big deal out of, oh, well, the length here, it's more important for the husband. It's important for both. The Spirit of God directed Peter in writing his account just as the Spirit of God directed Paul in writing his account here in Ephesus. So the point is, each is to be careful because of my relationship to the Lord that I want to do what he would have me do. Come over to Colossians, and we'll just look at the two verses. We won't keep coming back to them. Verse 18 of chapter 3 of Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, three letters written by Paul during the same Roman imprisonment recorded at the end of the book of Acts. Wives, be subject to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. That's what is fitting. That is what is right. That's what God ordained. Husbands, love your wives. And that was elaborated. Here we just have one verse on each. Wives in verse 18. Husbands in verse 19. Then we have in verses 20 and 21, the children and the father. Again, one verse on each. Now, Paul will elaborate under the direction of the Spirit on the children. You'll have three verses as we have it, and just one on the Father. Then we'll have slaves. So you put it all together, you get a picture of what God is talking about. Children, in verse 20 of Colossians 3, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So that's... Elaborated a little bit in the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Here you have it just, be obedient to your parents. That includes the father and the mother. The children are submissive to them in all things. This is what pleases the Lord. So we're talking about children now. We're not talking about a four-month-old baby because it doesn't have... The ability to respond. That doesn't mean correction isn't administered in certain ways early on. 
But as far as addressing them, they wouldn't understand. Children, obey your parents in all things. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. They might coo, they might cry. It doesn't matter. But So we're talking about children who are, well, guess, elementary age and above, somewhere in there. And then fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So a reminder to the fathers who have ultimate responsibility. You'll know children be obedient to your parents. And we're going to have this in Ephesians. It includes both husband and wife. But ultimately the father is responsible for his home, for his wife, for the children. So verse 21, fathers do not exasperate your children so that they do not lose heart because ultimately the responsibility for the discipline in the home in our home many years ago now but my mother would just say go to your room and wait till your father comes home that was not good and I could tell time and as it got near time for my dad to get home I'd come out of my room and be nice to my mother and she would say you go back to your room until your father comes home And that was just not good because ultimately he was responsible. Certain discipline things she might take care of. But if there was any issue, you go away till your father comes home. And while we're on this, I'll get it out of the way. I tried to explain to my father, I do remember one occasion, that you haven't heard my side. And I never forgot 70 plus years ago, you don't have a side. Your mother is right, even when she's wrong. I knew it wasn't a time for me to try to debate that statement. The point was, you obey, period, your mother. You don't, you are disciplined by me. Turn over, he used a belt, and let's get this over with. So it simplified things in the home. So that idea, come back to Ephesians chapter 6. He will say to children in verse 1, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But then in verse 4, it will be fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, because the ultimate responsibility for the condition of the home rests with the father. Because that was clear in verses 22 and following of chapter 5. Because ultimately the father is in charge of the home. Now, what we're talking about is God's perspective. And we have the world, and the world keeps pushing in, pushing in, pushing in, pushing in. And over time, the devil works to shape the church and shape believers in the church so that they're more like the world. We've had many people leave here, and some because the Lord was moving them on to other places. But there have been some who left, and they've been in my office Because the wife is upset and she's just not coming. Well, what's that got to do with the father? You'll note each is responsible. Verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. There is a responsibility there even when the wife doesn't function as she should. Even as the wife, as we noted when we talked about this section, has responsibility even when the husband doesn't function as he should. She does. You have to be careful. Children... Chapter 6, verse 1, as he begins, obey your parents in the Lord. And that point is, that's his will. 
we get this idea, well, now we're talking about children again who are of a certain age that are able to understand because he's addressing them as children. So obviously you're beyond the four, five, six-month-old, the one year perhaps, but parents discipline early, and the children learn early. But then children obey your parents, and that includes the husband and the wife, the father and the mother. You obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Why would I do that? Well, keep in mind, he's writing to believers. Come back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, just as a reminder. Paul, an apostle of Jesus by the will of God, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints, to those who have been set apart by God for himself, who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And then verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. So he's writing to believers. So in chapter 6, verse 1, children obey your parents. They're somewhere along the line, somewhere in elementary age. They're accountable for their actions and their decisions. And that would include all the way up. I remember as I got to be an older teenager, I got married at 20, but I was an older teenager and I didn't think I should have to obey my father any longer. I'm 18, I'm 19, Dad, I know. I shouldn't have to be in at 11 o'clock just because I'm out with that wild, wicked woman. Uh, Because I could go, I come in at 11 o'clock and say, I'm going down to Atlantic City with the guys. Oh, okay. But I had to check in. And uh, couldn't be out with Marilyn after 11. We'll leave it at that. But you get to a point where spanking's pretty hard to spank a 19-year-old. He just simply said, you don't have to obey these rules when you establish your own home. As long as you're living in this house, you're going to do as I decide. You will be in at 11. Period. Now, the other option, I guess if you decide to pack up, move out, join the army, whatever, that's your decision. But it's not your decision as long as you're living in my home. So children, obey your parents in the Lord. That goes on. That is an ongoing responsibility for which we are accountable. Obey here is synonymous with subject yourself. You're under the authority of someone else. I mention this because some writers and some of their commentaries are good in most places, but they get here and they want to make a distinction from verse 22, wives who are to be subject to their husband in verses 22 to 24, but it doesn't say obey. You can come over to 1 Peter 3 again. Or you can listen while I read it to you. Peter uses Sarah as an example. Verse 5 of 1 Peter 3. In the same way, in former times, the holy women, those set apart by God for himself, also who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive. There's the word that we have used of wives, for example, in in Ephesians 5. 
And it's explained in verse 6 of First Peter, chapter 3, verse 6, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham. So the submissiveness and the obedience, they're used interchangeably. So the fact that he uses the word obey back in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 for parents, and he uses the word subject of the wives, one commentator in particular, and he's basing it on the Greek text, that you want to be careful because it tells the wife to be submissive. It doesn't tell her to obey. But he doesn't really explain how you're submissive if you're not obedient. But he makes the point that there's a distinction in the words here. But he doesn't relate to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 of Sarah. She was submissive, so she obeyed. And in her obedience, she showed her submissiveness. So children, in chapter 6, verse 1, obey your parents. Because you're to be submissive to your parents. That's what God has established. That's the order that God has established. Come back to the book of Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs. I mentioned Psalms because that's about the middle of your Old Testament. And then the next book is the book of Proverbs. And we go to chapter 1. I just want to read some Proverbs about the submissiveness of children to their parents. And this goes on when you establish your own home then the husband and the wife, they are responsible primarily to each other, even though they still honor their parents and show them respect. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Again, we're talking about children who are old enough to understand instruction. You build that, you can start, you know, a swat on the diaper usually brings the appropriate response from the baby And they learn, but we're talking about those who are at least able to handle the word of God. Hear, my son, Proverbs 1.8, your father's instruction, do not forsake your mother's teaching. Again, you see the parents, father and mother, are in authority in the home. Indeed, they are graceful wreaths to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners entice, don't consent. I mean, be careful who you're listening to. And listen to your parents. Chapter 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we want to get true wisdom, true understanding from God. This is contrary to the world. And we have children's rights movements and all of that going on. They're not built out of the word of God. And that's just an area where believers are going to be out of step with the world. That's fine. And we want to be careful. We don't try to impress the world into our mold because that would just be superficial. That would be external. It has to come from a changed heart. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And we're going to get to that in Ephesians chapter 6. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Trust in the Lord, verse 5, with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. What we want to do, we want to model in our home godliness. The authority of the father and the mother 
over the children. The authority of the father over the whole household, including the mother. The children responsive to both. They ought to see that. They ought to look and say, well, my mother obeys my father. And my father says, I better obey my mother. As well as him is where we're going in Ephesians. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. Verse 11, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. That's going together here. So we're seeing the father... God, ultimately, and carrying out his directives through the father in the home, through the wife, to the children. On your way back to the New Testament, stop in the book of Hosea. Now, that's a challenge. But find the book of Daniel. That's after the large books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And you'll hit Daniel. And then after Daniel, you'll hit Hosea. Some of you are cheating. You're using your iPad or your phone, but for the rest of us, Hosea chapter 14, verse 9, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them for the ways of the Lord are right and the righteous will walk in them, but transgressors will stumble in them. It's why we are seeing our country more and more move into confusion. Hosea chapter 14, verse 9. But if we don't model in our Christian homes, wives aren't submissive to their husbands. I've had wives from this congregation sit in my office, tell me, I will not submit, period. What can I say? Soon I get a notice in the husband, well, I think we're going to go to another church. Well, going to another church, another Bible-believing church, if that's where the Lord wants you, that's fine. But want to be careful here. What are we looking for? What are we doing? Children, well, what do I do? They're, you know, they're kids. Well, you think kids weren't kids? When uh, Solomon wrote, when David wrote, when Hosea wrote, when Paul wrote? Of course they were. And you see the same Instruction, thousands of years may separate uh, some of the writings of the Old and New Testament, but it doesn't change. Now, the world changes because the world is open to everything except God's way. So we have the children's rights movement, children authority, and then we take the authority out of the home and away from the parents and we give it to the authorities in other places. And, well, that's... It's frustrating, but it's not out of the norm. Paul, in some ways, they were still more in line with the Word of God than we are. In other ways, they were way outside the Word of God. We want to come and be sure we're learning from the Word. Look at Romans chapter 1 on your way back to Ephesians. Romans chapter 1. And we're going to verse 30. Romans chapter 1, verse 30. You know, characteristic of unbelievers, and you have this beginning 
verse 28, God gave them over to a depraved mind, so they're filled with all unrighteousness and everything. In verse 30, they're slanderers, haters of God. And in the last thing in that verse, disobedient to parents. Where does it come from? It comes from the heart of the unbeliever. And the child is born with a sin nature. He has to be made new by faith in Christ, hopefully early. But we commit them to the Lord. But as long as in our home, they will meet our standard. They will have to conform to what we believe is right, is the idea. Disobedient to parents, we say, well, you know, kids are kids and that's kids, yes. But I was growing up, it was a little easier. Even my parents weren't saved until I was around 10. But they still believed certain things were right and wrong. And you go into school, you did what you were told, and you got spanked if you didn't at school. Then they called your parents and you got spanked when you got home for getting spanked at school. Nowadays, it's a whole different world. We got to live with that. But we understand that there are certain biblical truths that will be held in our home. For Second Timothy, one more passage before we go back to Ephesians. Second Timothy, Paul's writing his last letter here during his second Roman imprisonment. This is an imprisonment that's later than we have at the end of the book of Acts. In Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, but realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. And the last days. So we're getting now toward the coming of the Lord and the finality of what will take place in Revelation. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. And then on it goes down to verse 5, holding to a form of godliness. I want to be careful. We want to avoid such men as this that hold on. Oh, yes. Well, I've read a statistic here in the last year or two. 87% of the churches don't have Sunday evening service anymore. Well, the Bible doesn't say you have to have Sunday evening. It says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so we trust the leaders will provide the occasions when the church meets together. But we don't. We find a constant battle. Well, the world more and more has taken authority from the parents and given it to whomever. But in our Christian homes now, we have to follow what God says and hold to that. We're still in a country where there is enough freedom for us to do that. But that could become more and more difficult disobedient to parents is just a characteristic of unbelievers. It's built into the fallen nature of that child who's born into your home. That's why you want to start early with obedience. So come back to Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, period. This is the right thing. Children, obey their parents, period. This is right. This is what you do when you're in the Lord. Now, some children, you may have parent children that aren't walking with the Lord. You can control them, but soon they'll move out of your home and then they're out of your control. Obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. 
Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother. Obey your parents. It's part of being submissive, being filled with the Spirit. In chapter 5, verse 18, it's one of the manifestations. But the children, they can still be conformed. I was saved about 10. But up till that, it lived in a day when, of course, you do what your parents told. And you do what your grandparents tell you. And I stopped at my grandparents' house on the way home and got sugar bread. I was careful to do what they told me. Because if I didn't, my dad would take necessary intervention. Uh, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. So things from the Old Testament, we say, well, we're not under the Mosaic law. No. But the Mosaic law still has things that we learn from. And even parts of it that are no longer in uh, operation, like the Sabbath day, Saturday, we still learn. And we realize, even though we're not under the Mosaic law, we learn from the Mosaic law. So he quotes part of the law here, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16 We won't turn there. Verse 3, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. There's basically the commandment. We are to honor our parents, which would mean we obey them. We submit to them. We do what they say. Now, what if my father's not a believer? Well, maybe he'll become a believer through the life of that child. Honor your father and mother. That's what children are to do, regardless of the condition of their parents. We looked at that with the wife, like in 1 Peter 3. If your wife is a believer, but the husband is not a believer, wives, maybe by your godly, proper conduct, you win your husband. My mother was saved before my father. I take it that partly was through her influence that he was saved. And then it spread down through the children. There's no guarantee. We won't take the time, but the Old Testament talks about God being a father to Israel. But Israel wasn't turning out. Israel wasn't obeying. Israel wasn't functioning. So Israel is under the discipline of God. So parents continue to pray for their kids. They discipline their kids, but then the kids go off on their own. But while they're in the home, they always have that authority. You're going to live in this home. You will do according to my instruction. You will go to church Sunday school. This is my dad. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, and Friday night they have youth. You will be involved in all that. The other things, you can adjust your schedule, but those things, there is no give on those. You will be involved, period. Well, I guess I'll do it. There were times uh, my dad, he worked at U.S. Steel, He'd call and say, I'm, I'm going to be late getting home. I said, well, we would, that's all right. We don't have to go to church. No, you go to church. I will meet you there. I will be there before it's over. Oh, okay. There was no debate. I just was throwing it out as a possibility for him. If he didn't want to, you know, we can just stay home. No, you will go. I will meet you there. I'm on my way home whenever I get done here. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with the promise. doesn't say if your parents are. Note this. The submissive one doesn't say, and when we get to the fathers, it doesn't have to do with your children or believers. But here for the children, you honor your father and mother by your obedience. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you live long on the earth. Again, certain things do not hold, which were given in the Old Testament, in the land, and you live long in the land of Palestine. And well, Israel and the Ephesians, they're a Gentile church, but on the earth, there's still the basic promise. Now, some children, they die very early. They die along the way. But the basic truth is there that this is one way God honors you. I'm getting close to 80. I don't know. I tried to honor my parents. And that included till the day they died. They're still my parents. I still have responsibility. I still had obligations until they were no longer here. Now, I doesn't things had changed. My first responsibility now became my wife after I married my home, but I still had to be careful and check on them and do what I could to help and those kind of things. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Number five, I believe, in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 12 so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So there are promises and blessings pronounced. It doesn't mean there aren't exceptions to this. Now, what about fathers then? Before we leave this, come back to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Look at verse 3. And he answered them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father and mother. And by this you've invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Why did Isaiah prophesy of you? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And that holds true. Parents, children. You know, my parents were both believers. But even if they hadn't, I still had the responsibility. Their parents, they still had responsibility. My dad's parents, the rest of my knowledge, didn't become believers. But he still had responsibility to see that they were cared for, provided for. He, his responsibility wasn't dependent on theirs. But he still prayed for them. We still shared the gospel with them as we had opportunity. We want to be careful. We give lip service. We go back to husbands and wives. I've had women come, they're so godly, but they wouldn't come to this church. I'm too godly to sit under your ministry. But their husband's shaking his head. I don't know what to do. Children. Well, I can say you're going to obey in this home where it's going to be painfully difficult for you because you have to obey while you're living in this home, period. Come back to Ephesians. I have a verse in Leviticus 19.3. You can jot down, but we won't take time to turn there. 
Fathers, now again, we had the wives' responsibility, then we had the husbands. We had the children, they are to be submissive to both parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger because the fathers ultimately, if they're not obeying the mother, it's like in our home when I was young, my mother would say, go to your room, where do your father comes home? He'll settle it. That was not good. My mother didn't use the belt. My dad did. And I'm sure that was the only occasion, the one I remember. But it was, you go to your room and wait for your father to come home. That said it all. So you develop a pattern. It's better I do what she says. Another thing my dad, oh, your mother is right even when she's wrong. Well, that I remember too. So I don't have to make the decision. Let's see, will he be on my side? So fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline instruction of the Lord. So it doesn't mean now the father can do as he pleases any more than the husband can do as he pleases. The husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. But that doesn't have anything to do with what the wife has to do. The wife, it doesn't have anything to do with the husband. So here, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. We're not going to come down. I'm in charge. You do what I say, period. That's it. Well, in one sense, that's true. But it's not the biblical balance. You don't provoke your children to anger. Uh, You don't stir them up. In Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 21, fathers do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Yeah, I can do that. I'm in charge. I run this house. You do what I say. Do not provoke your children to anger. There is a proper way. My dad would sit down, would give the reasons why I was going to get a spanking, why it was necessary, why the punishment was meted out. So I would understand. Do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I have to do this to become believers. Then you can share with them. I'm doing this because this is what God requires. This is what's necessary. Well, yeah, okay, I will never do it again. That's fine. This is being spanked with the belt for what you did. I hope that you'll consider this for the future. But it's not enough to say, oh, well, now I'm home free. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're going to run through a number of verses here. Come back to First Samuel. So that's after Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel. First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. So First Samuel chapter three. And Eli was a godly man, but he was not consistently godly. So verse thirteen, God tells Samuel, and Samuel can tell Eli. Samuel will be Eli's replacement, remember. But in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 13, For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves. Now, they were born sinners. But the last part of this is very important. He did not rebuke them. He couldn't change them. 
but he did not rebuke them. They might have still with their rebuke as Israel did with God as their father continue on their way. But Eli didn't fulfill what his responsibility was that gives God another chance to work in their lives, which is always the case. So important verse. Proverbs, stop in Proverbs again after Psalms. Proverbs chapter 13. There are so many verses and we want to be careful that we continue to keep ourselves immersed in the word of God so that these things come to our mind. Chapter 13 begins in verse 1. A wise son accepts his father's discipline. A scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So there's a chance you won't. You'll discipline your children. You'll be as consistent with the word of God as you can. But, you know, your son may be a scoffer. But you don't give up on him. Maybe he'll be saved when he's 30. Maybe he'll be saved when he's 60. Shoot the Lord here. We don't know. All we know is our responsibility. Come down to verse 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son. He who loves him disciplines him diligently. Now, again, that's a godly discipline. That is discipline according to the word of God. That's explaining why it's necessary that you be disciplined, that you be spanked. I know spanking and any kind of physical, but he who withholds his rod hates his son. Well, you know, I reason with him. I tell him. But there are times when he didn't do what he was told to do. Then the rod, the belt, um, the ping pong paddle, which is what we used in our home because it was easy to transport, just fit right down beside the seat. You know, you discipline them diligently. Chapter 19 of Proverbs, verse 18. Discipline your son while there is hope. Do not desire his death. Maybe I didn't get saved until I was grown and my children were grown. Well, then all I can do is explain to them the truth of God. But you're now an adult. You are accountable to God for your behavior. Chapter 22 of Ephesians, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. It's not a guarantee of his salvation, but it's a guarantee that, generally speaking, even when I was younger, and the word of God, my parents periodically went to a church, but it wasn't believing. But still, back when I was a child, discipline was expected. They spanked you at school if you didn't do what you... I mean, nowadays, the teacher would be arrested if they spanked the child of school. I wish it had been enforced then. Not that I was ever spanked. But, you know, it was a, well, here, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, that doesn't guarantee the change of heart. But it's part of what God uses. Verse 15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Chapter 22, verse 15. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. It starts early, and we see it early in very young children. And you start the discipline early. Certain things are not acceptable in this house. They will not be tolerated. 
And the sooner you start and they realize that, then progressively there will come time when the rod of discipline will be necessary and that will be applied. We will have standards in our home. As long as you live here, you will be responsible for those standards. Chapter 23, verse 13. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. I mean, that's getting serious. I want to be careful. I want to raise my children with discipline. And we begin to, well, the world and the pressure of the world and, you know, pretty soon Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that's too much. I don't know. My parents were awful busy. My dad worked at the steel mill and sometimes he got home at five. Sometimes he got home at seven. It didn't mean I could take over the house. So don't hold back the discipline from the child. Although you strike him with a rod, he won't die. He may squawk a little, but that's fine. They want him to know. You shall strike him with a rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. It's... Uh, Important. One more passage. There were many. I hope you read Proverbs regularly because it's a good reminder on a variety of areas. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. A child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. And we're seeing the mother and the father. And ultimately, the father is responsible for the discipline in the home. Doesn't mean the mother never disciplines. But ultimately, discipline ultimately rests with the father. When the father won't discipline, then you have trouble. Verse 17, correct your son, he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Happy is he who keeps the law. In other words, we want to remember the word of God and we want to obey it. So my children should see it in the relationship I have with their mother, my wife, that she submits to me and I love her and they submit to us both and we love them and there is discipline when there is disobedience. Come back to Ephesians, leave Proverbs and we wrap this up. This is all under the direction and control of the Spirit of God. We're back to verse 18 of Ephesians 5. Be filled with the Spirit is the basic command. The command that we're doing is we're speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual song. Well, you know, I used to have to say to people, move in. Now there's room to spread out. Well, how can you speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs if you don't get together? We're not to forsake the assembling. I realize some people have moved on to other churches. Some people move on to other churches, and I've met some of them on the way. Where do you go? Well, we're really not going anywhere now. Well, something's wrong. Giving thanks, being subject, and then the subjection. Wives to husband. Well, as much as possible, I am a submissive wife. There are obviously things that may, but just because I don't like what he says, I don't agree with what he does, I submit. That models for the children. Then in chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, 
And then fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I want to explain to you why this is necessary, why you're getting a spanking, why that conduct is not acceptable. It's not that I've lost it. Oh, I lost my temper and, well, maybe I tell the child, go to your room. I'll be there to talk to you shortly. Get yourself settled down. I first have to be sure I'm being biblical. God doesn't discipline me because he lost his temper. And then he has to apologize. No. So go to your room. I'll be there shortly. And then when I come, here's why you're getting disciplined. You didn't do what your mother told you. Well, you didn't hear my side. I still hear my dad. And this was before I was 10. So it goes back. Your mother is right, even when she's wrong. Do you understand? That was just another way of saying you don't have a side. Now turn over and we'll get this over with. But explain, be biblical. Don't provoke your children to anger. I'm in charge. This is the way we do it. I want to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I want them to know why this is necessary. And I'm doing it for your good and so that you will learn a lesson. What if I do it tomorrow? We'll add another one. What if I do it 10 times? Well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I guess you'll decide. All back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. So everybody has their responsibility. Wives, husbands, children, parents. We're going to get to slaves, masters. I don't have an excuse. I am responsible to God. Well, they didn't do. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is about you. What did you do? How did you handle it? What was your response to my word in this? Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't provoke your children. And we do it under the control of the Spirit. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of your word. It's a beautiful word. It's a clear word. Uh, It's a word that we as parents, as husbands, as wives, parents, workers, employees, we all need to be reminded that we need to function biblically. We need to be careful that we're functioning biblically. Pray for the parents that we have. And they're exercising discipline in their home, that it would be according to your word. It would be faithful. It would be consistent. And it would be honoring to you. We desire that the children that we have might grow up to know you and the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. But Lord, it's all in your hands. Their salvation is in your hands. But we are responsible. So we would handle our responsibility, each of us individually, carefully, so that we're biblical, so that our young people see in us as parents, as adults, biblical conduct that they understand even when they rebel against it that it's because of what you have said the instruction you have given commit ourselves to you in christ's name amen thank you for listening to this message from sound words a ministry of indian hills community church make sure to download our app from itunes or google play for more messages 
like the one you just heard. If you would like to contact us, please email soundwords at ihcc.org or give us a call at 402-483-4541.